if you've grown up in the church, gathered on the weekends, went to Sunday school classes, went to children's ministries, youth groups, you have heard a lesson many, many times that has gone something like this, stop sinning, try harder, come on, stop sinning, try harder, just try harder, come on, stop sinning, try harder, try harder. And it gets a little demoralizing when we try and we try and we try and we try harder and we try harder and we try harder. And we keep on failing. The context of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 is really important. It's written in the context of verses 14 and 15. And I want to read them to you. Hebrews chapter 4, 14 and 15. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. <laughs> We're at a clear disadvantage when we read that in our culture because we have not been a part of the Old Testament religious system. And we really have no idea who, what a high priest is, who a high priest is, what a high priest does. And I'm not going to dig into that deep tonight. Except to say the high priest is the most important person in the Old Testament religious system. The high priest is the most important person in the Old Testament religious system. And once a year, he would go into the Holy of Holies and he'd ask God to forgive the sins of God's people. And they'd tie a rope around his ankle just in case when he was in there he wasn't pure enough to stand before God. They'd tie a rope and when he didn't come out after a few hours they'd, they'd pull him out and they'd pull him out dead. And now we read, now we read, now we read. Let us then, Hebrews 4, verse 16, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Come confidently, come boldly. Now we go into the throne of God's presence, this great place of mercy. Without a rope tied around our ankle. We, we don't get how you could walk boldly into the presence of somebody with authority. I'm, this is made up now, but I'm in Ottawa. 
and I hear there's a cabinet meeting that day and some righteous indignation rises up within me and I march into the parliament building and I, I find out where the cabinet meeting is and I march into the cabinet room and before I can say repent you generation of vipers before I can even say it I'm on the ground with a gun at my head They're putting handcuffs around the back of my arms. We can't boldly march into places of authority without an invitation. In the normal run of things, but friends, in the realm of God's kingdom, in the realm of God's kingdom, we are invited to come with confidence and boldly to the throne of God's grace. I like the phrase, draw near, draw near. Draw near is a pretty big emphasis of the book of of Hebrews. Let us then with confidence draw near Hebrews chapter 7 and, and verse number 19. The law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Stop sinning, try harder, try harder, stop sinning, try. Throw that one away, friends. And certainly we need to be asking God to help us to stop sinning but we draw near to God based on the completed work of the great high priest, Jesus Christ, who once and for all, once and for all, died for all of our sins and every last one of them. Hebrews chapter seven, verse 25. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The invitation of God to the people of God, the invitation of God to every one of you gathered here this evening is draw near. Don't, don't keep a distance. Draw near. God cries out for us to draw near. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number one. Since the law is but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. <laughs> the law can't do it, friends. The great high priest has already done it for you. The great high priest has already done it for you. He would say to us tonight, draw near. Draw near. Draw near. Hebrews 10 
in verse number 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. My friends, this evening, the cry of God, the heart of God for every one of us in this sanctuary, in this auditorium this evening, the heart of God is that we would draw near to him. sitting at the uh, poolside of uh, the pool at the condominium we have rented for the last number of years. And I was visiting a, uh, a friend and he began to talk about the Asbury University revival and talking about how neat it would be to see God sweep in to our city and our province in Western Canada. But then he made the statement for God to pour in. He needs some willing containers For God to pour in, he needs some willing containers. And my friend said to me, I just don't know how many people want to be containers anymore. And my heart was grieved. God would say to us tonight, let us draw near. Let us, that's, that's, let it, let it happen. Don't resist it, don't fight it. Let it happen. Let us draw near. Who should do it? Hebrews 4, verse 16, let us. Who should do it? Us. Let us do it. Let us do it. I, I don't get why these times when God shows up and really gives the world and the church especially a deep hug, why they come. But 1971, 1972, may have been 1972, 1973, not, which, not sh sure which it was, but two summers a row and two summers in a row and i i basically lived at bible camps in the summer uh, and every bible camp we went to those two years i'm a young teenager mid-teens god just blew in and i was so shaped by that these hours staying at the altar till four or five or six in the morning and waking up at nine o'clock in the morning feeling absolutely refreshed and invigorated for another day week after week after week. I discovered that there is nothing in this life as beautiful as God's presence. 
don't know if we've discovered that yet. There's nothing in life as beautiful as God's presence. The late G. Campbell Morgan, a preacher from about 100 plus years ago, said uh, he knows you can't uh, organize God's presence, you can't make it happen. Uh, But he says you need to be really, really careful when the wind blows in to put your sails up. You need to be really, really careful when the wind blows in to put your sails up. Let us Let us, who's this for? It's for us. Let us go where? Where are we going? Well, the answer's in the verse. We draw near, we draw near to the throne of grace. That is the most incredible invitation ever given to anybody. Think about it. (laughs) Draw near to the throne of grace. Incredible. Incredible. And why do we do that? Why do we do that? Well, the first reason we do it is so we may receive mercy. So we may receive mercy. Was uh, walking the streets of uh, San Jose del Cabo, and uh, I had on a uh, a bunny hug that our son Kent gave me uh, from the Falcon Football Club at Marion Graham, and this guy's walking towards us, and. He uh, is from Saskatoon. He's actually one of the coaches for the Hilltops. So we ended up in a conversation. Appreciate those who pour in time to uh, to young men and young women in the realm of athletics. Bless them. Read the story of Gary Olson who was the head football coach of the Oak Park Forest Hill High School uh, in Oak Park, Illinois. Fine Christian man. Eight months after he'd had a, uh, a significant heart attack, he was invited to speak to all of the football coaches who were willing to come listen to him from Illinois. (laughs) And he talked about how you make it through hard times. Talked about uh, having had lung cancer in the 1980s. He, He made this speech in 1998, how he had lung cancer in 1980s. 
how his wife a bit later was involved in a terrible accident, vehicle accident that almost took her life. I talked about a year earlier standing on the side of the football field coaching a game and collapsing. And then his mother dying shortly thereafter. And then he said, so I, I was so discouraged and I was so depressed. So I phoned the pastor. And he said, Pastor, I am just finding it really hard <laughs> to keep on going. What should I do? And, and to be honest with you, we pastors don't always know what to do. And we kind of just are sitting there praying, oh God, give me something godly to say here. And this is what came out of his pastor's mouth. He said, Gary, pray this prayer. Lord, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. God, have mercy. Gary Olson pointed that crowd of football coaches to God that morning. The God who wants to pour out mercy in your life. If you're serving any other God, you haven't got a revelation of the Jesus who died for you on the cross of Calvary. You don't really yet understand the high priest. He wants to pour out Mercy, mercy in your life. Why do we go to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, that we may find grace? I like this quote from C.S. Lewis. I, in mere Christianity, silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the German army by fighting against it, not by giving in. You find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not lying by lying down. Man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That is why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. Christ because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows how or what the full, the full knows the fullness of what temptation means. The Lord understands the pain and the strength of temptation, he really does.
And what does he offer to you when you're walking through times of temptation? You will find grace. You will find grace. And then the, the third reason we, we go to this throne room of grace is to find help in time of need. To find help in time of need. A little bit of a word study on that word help. That picture, uh, yeah, just go back one slide here. That picture I took on Tuesday morning, or last morning, in San Jose del Cabo, walking along the beach. I didn't usually see fishing boats out that early. Now for the words, word study here. Uh, the word help is the uh, Greek word ba'athaia. Aya, sorry, ba'athaia. And the only other time it's found in the New Testament, other than in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, is in Acts chapter 27 and verse 17. Acts chapter 7. Oh, sorry, Acts chapter 27 and verse number uh, 17. Let me read it to you. Acts 27 and verse number 17. After hoisting it up, talking about the boat, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear and thus they were driven along. Uh, after hoisting it up, uh, the, the word there, uh, help is the word hoisting. It's a, it's a boating term, sometimes referred to as frapping. And how they would, when, when the winds would get really, really bad, experienced fishermen uh, would, would be prepared and they'd be prepared by frapping their boat. And what that means is they found big, strong ropes and they took the rope and they put it underneath the boat and ran it tight across the top again and underneath or across the top and underneath. So when the wind blew, there was this extra support there keeping the boat together. And friends, when life gets tough, and the wind is blowing and the storm is tough. God is there and he's, 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 he's sustaining you, he's supporting you, he's holding you together. And so we're here tonight, I suspect. We're here tonight as people with great needs. And where do we go? Where do we go when we have great need? 
we go to the throne of grace to find mercy and to find grace and help in the time of need. I began this message talking about the revival in Asbury and the interview that took place between David Shepherd, the president of 100 Huntley Street and Pastor Tim. At the end of that interview, Pastor Shepherd asked Pastor Tim this question. In light of what God is doing, what should we be doing? And the pastor said, and he's referring now to what G. Campbell said about putting up the sails. He said, I think the church needs to raise two sails. The church needs to raise two sails. And the first sail is the sail of hunger. The first sail is the sail of hunger. Really wanting to draw near to him. Really wanting to draw near to him. I think many of us love Jesus, but we kind of wanted him to stay at a distance. I don't like a married couple that's got a bit tired of each other. Draw near. Hunger. Hunger for him. And the second sail we need to raise is the sail of humility that says, oh God, Oh God, I need you. I really, really, really need you. I really, really, really need you. What does God say to us tonight? Let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace. Let us do it. And so I put up on the screen now a picture to close with. That's the Asbury <laughs> revival. Photoed by Josh Sablon. And that's God just responding and causing people to respond with a hunger and a thirst for him. Calling out to God and saying, oh God, oh God, meet me. Oh God, help me. Oh God, touch me.
Oh God, I need you. Oh God, I need you. I long for you. I want you. Calling out to God and acknowledging our our failures and our pride and our self-righteousness and our sinfulness and our rebellion. Oh God, we need you. Oh God, we need you. Take a good look at that picture. Some of you here tonight, and I'm saddened to say this, because I've been leading here for over 20 years. Some of you here don't know anything about a picture like that. We haven't been drawing near. We haven't been hungering. haven't been walking in the kind of humility God would ask us to walk in. I can't make anything happen. Be silly too. But I'm asking all of us to stand now. And I'm asking us I'm asking us tonight not to uh, to sing songs. We're going to sing. But I'm asking us not to sing songs. I'm asking us to cry out to God. Asking us to ask God to come and meet us. I want us to have a confidence and a boldness that God delights when we do that. God delights when we do that. God longs for us to draw near. And as we sing that, I'm going to encourage those of you who want to just stay where you are to, to sing and pray, to stay where you are. Some of you should come and stand across here. Some of you should find a place to kneel. Some of you friends should get together in groups of three or four and cry out for each other. But we need to cry out to God tonight. We need to draw near. Let us draw near. Don't fight it. Don't resist it. Let us do it. Let us do it. Let us do it. Let us draw near. Let us draw near, friends. Let's turn this place into a place of prayerful intercession and crying out to God. Some of you lead the way, everybody praying, everybody praying, whatever that looks like for you. But come, come, let us pray. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God.